Hey, babe, I need you to do me something. My grandpappy and my mama's anniversary is coming up, and I need you to make the fish stew for the get-together. Here's the recipe. Now, it's a family secret, so please, please, please don't let anyone see it. Thanks, baby. Loves ya. Okay, let's see here. Uh, this looks easy enough. One large stock pot. Add olive oil. Crushed garlic, onions, bay leaf, and stir it up. Cut up some baby carrots. And begin the meat preparation, which I assume is in the fridge. Hmm, never seen meat like this before. Kinda looks like a butt. What an odd fish. Anyways, hmm, to tenderize the cutlets, make sure the skin and fat is well spanked to ensure the tenderness of the human meat. Cook every part of the body except the head, bones, and guts. Roast the sweet human ass in the oven at 350 degrees. Oh my effing god! But it's been it's been a, a a week off. We celebrated our one year wedding anniversary on our normal recording day, so we took the day off. And uh, well, I believe John's prepped a another meaty story for us. I'm excited to see what we're talking about today. <sighs> yeah, meaty is actually a really good word for it. Ooh, candle story. Ooh, maybe. Um, but before we get started, we do have quite a few. Patreon members to shout out and thank for joining. All right. We've got Jennifer AC, aka a Danny, not to be confused with my sister Danny. Isabel. Or my cousin Danny. Yes. Isabel, Lee, Justin, and Jacqueline. Hey oh. Thanks, everyone. Welcome, guys. And um, let me just say, we're starting to get some consistent requests now for what they want us to take as their surprise shots. And there's some interesting requests and some that I'm really excited for. No more car bombs? Um, no more car bombs. I don't Damn. think I don't think we could handle it. Although we do still have Guinness if we ever feel the need. The need for speed. For speed. That was rough. That was bad. Well, <laughs> the second attempt was much better. Better. Yeah, because we only did one. Yes. The the night that we got too drunk to put out the, <laughs> the first uh, Son of Sam was, you know, a fun. Yeah. It was fun. It was a great time. It was a good time. And today's surprise shot is dedicated to Haley. Well, Haley, this is for you. Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Cheers, Haley. Cheers. Cheers. Why isn't that as smooth as the last one that we had? What what uh, brand is it? Svedka. That's Svedka? Yeah. Oh, wow. They, they have the whipped cream vodka that's no, really that's good. That's Pinnacle. Oh, yeah. Pinnacle is what I'm thinking about. Yeah, whipped. That is good. Because yeah. this that is... That is extremely dangerous. Svedka is the one with the robot, right? Yeah. Is she, it? Yeah, yes. she's hot. It's hot. It's hardware is hot. hot. <laughs> I want to update her software. <laughs> Put my firmware <laughs> in her thumb drive. <laughs> oh, my God. So for prom, so we all know that I am a walking dumpster fire. I mean, that's not true, but, you know. Um, so 
this is what you get on a normal day. And at the beginning of the school year, I think I've told you guys before, like at the beginning of the school year, I usually try and I like do my makeup every day and, you know, every couple of days I'll straighten my hair and wear it down. And then as the year progresses, as, as I get more and more burnt out, the effort is less. So like I'll, I'll keep doing my makeup, but I'll like wear my hair up more often and now it's reached the point in the year there's three weeks left and I just don't even bother with anything. I just put my hair up, put some clothes on and go to work. That's right. Don't so, blame me. Um, I'm well, actually cutting my own hair now. Yes, you are. Yeah, and you did I, good. You did, you did a good job. And I also cut my own hair last night. I just do all the hair at once on my body. I'm a swimmer, so. <laughs> you missed a spot then. A couple. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gooch <laughs> so if you're new here my name is john this is the talk murder to me podcast i put all my sources photos and videos on talkmurder.com. you definitely want to see the photos on this case 100 i also wrote a blog post please share it i am going back to all the older episodes on the blog i've been doing that all week you may have noticed and i'm updating everything and there are a lot of cases that we have done that have recent updates, recent updates. Like, for instance, the the, the Clur case. Oh! <laughs> He's finally uh, getting a court date for that. Because Clur. he was um, deemed in to unfit for trial, right? I can't remember. Right? But it, like next month is his court date. Oh. Also, some of the other cases we've done, like the Uber murder, that that guy is just now going to court. Wow. So stuff like that. So I'm trying to go back and kind of uh, refresh everything. But uh, you can find all that at talkmer.com if you want. We are also recording this on YouTube, so you can go there and type in Talk Murder to me. If you can't find that, you could just go to Google and type in this story, which I don't want to tell you what it is now because they don't know. But and then type in the person's name and then talk murder to me or whatever, and it should come up. So anyway, uh, tonight we're actually going back to New York. Okay. Feel like we cannot get away from there. Well, you know, some people. A lot think, of people live there. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's very populated. Um, some people say it's the best city in the world. I would disagree with you, but. We're um, as your shirt like very clearly. Actually, mine too. It's very faded, but it says Boston. Wicked it. smart. So we're actually going to July fourteenth, nineteen twenty four. Ooh. So Ooh. and about this case, I'm uh, this episode. I'm going to start out slow, and I, I I know I say that, and I usually do the other thing, but I'm serious this time. I'm going to start out slow, non gruesome, and then at the very last moment, we're going to. I'm going. I'm going to really push it. Is this you saying like you're going to start with the most obscene thing we've ever? No, heard? I'm not going to start. I know I usually do that, but I'm not on this. Okay. We're going to actually start with an abduction, and I'm not going to talk about the murder at all. And then we're going to talk about another abduction. And then we're going to end with a letter that the killer wrote to the parents, and that's where we're going to end part one. Part two is going to go into some interesting facts about this guy, this killer tonight, including his love for writing letters. <laughs> and he's got a lot of letters. Interesting. In fact, mm -hmm. we'll, on our Patreon episode this week, we're going to be reading some of the letters uh, tonight. So you guys will have like a sneak preview of what's to come for next 
week's part two. But anyway, we're going to Charlton Woods area. We're going to talk about the abduction of Francis McDonnell. And I'm going to show you a picture of him. A boy, the boy was abducted. Boy Francis. Yeah. Okay. That's my dad's it's a, middle it's name. It's a male, female name. So yeah. Francis with an I is usually male. Francis with an E is usually female. That's right. All right. So what was going on in 1924? This is July 14th. There were a couple big cases out there. Now, this whole case revolves around the abduction of children. Now, why in this time when most Americans are spending a lot of their time in the bread lines, would there be any abductions at all? Like, I mean, who, why? Because I'm going to ransom money because I'm going to tell you abductions back then were extremely common. More than murders itself. They were a people were were abducting captured to to go work in factories. No, that's a that's a that's a good guess. Ransom money. So they were captured for ransom money. So they would. Oh, Jen got it. So a famous trial that was going on right now was the Lindbergh baby. I was going to guess the Lindbergh baby about this story. Two celebrities. Uh, well, celebrity couple, kind of like what you have now. Their baby goes missing. I don't, I haven't done the story completely, so I don't know all the facts, but their baby goes missing and it was found like, I think it was like 500 yards away from their property and it was dead. But there was a ransom note and everything else. And that was really common during this time because they were rich and everyone else in the nation was pretty much poor. And so they would target rich families and this happened a bunch and they would steal the baby and then try to get ransom money for it so were these children abducted in this case for ransom money like were they children of wealthy that's the thing they were not okay and that's the one thing police noticed at first but anyway we're going to get started with this so this right here, who you're looking at is Francis McDonald. This is the only photo we have of him. He's eight years old. It's kind of a grainy photo. I'll put this on talkmore.com, but and he's just a normal kid. He looks like any other eight-year-old that was out there. He's actually the son of a Staten Island police officer. Whoever abducted this kid either didn't know he was the son of a police officer or was just really brazen and didn't care. It was July 14th, 1924, and it was pretty hot out even being in New York. He was playing outside on the porch of his home, and he was playing by himself. His mother comes out, and she sits with him a while, and around 2 p.m., she's actually nursing her youngest uh, youngest child, and there was a man that walked by her house with her eight-year-old son, Francis, playing on the porch. And she says, quote, she sees a strange figure making his way down the middle of the street. It was an elderly man. He was shabby, but he was he had a suit on. He was dressed decently. It wasn't a a nice suit, but it it looked like he he was well kempt, well taken care of his you know, suit. He would clean his suit and stuff like, like that. Like he could afford a suit, number one. Yeah, ex- exactly. And he was walking down the, the middle of the street there. He had gray hair and a gray mustache. So he was an older man. Okay. She noticed it as being peculiar, but she didn't think anything of it until later that day. 
Later, around 3 p.m., little Francis goes to the uh, little courtyard area. He's got a couple friends down there, and they're playing ball, kick the can, kick the ball, whatever. They're, and this is 8-year-old, 10-year-olds, no older than that. Now, Francis's mother wasn't watching her son at this particular moment. She has a young child, and he is in sight distance, but she isn't actively watching him. Okay, so he's playing, and there's just a bunch of kids out there. This same old man comes up to the children and coaxes one of them over. You know, hey, come here, come here, I got some candy. Mm-hmm. And it was actually raisins, what they think um, he was coaxing them with. Well, Only that would you be would big for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would that would be oh, something that, that would be a profiler that uses raisins. <laughs> Raisinettes. That's John's favorite candy. When the uh, other So Francis I like raisinettes. Oh gross. It's not my favorite, but you know, I like them. Nasty. Francis goes over there and then the boys continue playing. When they turn back around, Francis and the old man completely gone. Hmm. Now we're talking about someone who is sixty years old here. This is a, this is an old man. I'm almost reminiscent of Pinocchio when he like gets taken to that island of misbehaving boys and they turn into donkeys. That movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I think I only watched it maybe twice in my life. It really scared me. It was scary. This is from the book we're reading tonight and I'll get to what it is in a second. His hands made a constant nervous motion, clenching and unclenching, and he seemed to be mumbling to himself. As he passed down the street, the two German shepherds belonging to the McDonald's next-door neighbor set up a howl. The gray-haired man turned to the woman on the porch, tipped his hat, and then vanished down the road. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. So this is the same man that took Francis, which is weird because he's the type of... uh, Seems like the type of nice old man, like who's going to take a kid, you know? Well, he probably wanted to make himself seem like the nice old man so that the families would be familiar with him while he's walking down the street and be like, oh, I see him walking down the street all the time. He's harmless. Or like the kids Mm -hmm. see him and begin to trust him. They're familiar. The last person to actually see Francis was a neighbor. And this was 4.30 p.m., this this neighbor from his account to the police because the boy's gone now like forever okay the guy came they were playing the guy calls him over the old man hey come over here you want some raisins sure they turn around they're both completely gone and the last person to see the boy alive, Francis' life, was a neighbor. And this was 4.30 p.m. They were actually walking into the woods. And a lot of the reports will say about this guy, because he's a he is a chronic abductor. Okay. This is not his first time. So, like, they know that he abducts kids? Or there is- are hundreds of cases from how he does this from him. He does this all the time. Hundreds. Hundreds, yeah. And he's not behind bars because... Because he's dead. It's 1924. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, they didn't catch him. He was doing oh. this hundreds of times. Yeah, I'm like, I'm well, not talking about now. Duh. <laughs> we realize he is dead, but yeah. He, I mean, like, if he was, he was six... never caught. What the hell? Y'all just... You think I'm just going to get to the end right now? What the fuck? No, I thought you meant like they knew that he was doing no. this. So the last person to see the boy and the old man was a neighbor. It was 430 they actually see the man, and a lot of newspapers would use terminology like, 
And then the man, the old man, melted into the forest. Oh. He kind of just was here, and then he kind of just blended in, and he's gone forever. No one ever sees sees him again. Very, very creepy. And this went on for several years. Lots so, of uh, children vanished. Over six years of this, who we're talking about tonight. This guy, the boogeyman. <gasps> was as, it? Oh, that's his nickname? That's one of his nicknames. Was it obvious that it was this guy to people? No, it was not. Hmm. Not until the last minute. Okay. But everyone knew about the old man. They would call him the gray man. And some of the newspapers... If you read it, there were sightings of the gray man. It was almost like a like Slender Man. Slender Man type of fear that was Ooh, going on. Spooky. It was very spooky to read some of these papers because it was like, here's your kid, and then all of a sudden he just melts into the forest and he's gone. Now, usually the kids will be found. Well, some of the kids were found, but we'll hmm. get to that. Anyway. Moving on. The last person to see him at 4.30, like I said, they walked into the woods. The body was actually found later by a group of Boy Scouts. And they were a little older than Francis, but this is how they came upon the body. It had been hastily concealed under a pile of branches and leaves. The clothes below Francis's waist, stockings and shoes, underpants, khaki knickerbockers, had been violently ripped from his body. He had been, as newspapers would put it, atrociously assaulted, then strangled with his suspenders, which were twisted so tightly around his neck, they seemed embedded in the oh, flesh. No, poor kid. Embedded in the flesh. Now, this was one of his earliest abductions. So you mean it gets progressively so worse? The, de- the depravity here is telling. My, because, because it's, it's mild. very mild <gasps> compared to what you're about to see when we go six years down the road. It's like when um, you take the filter off. Uh, I guess that's a social media thing. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, something like that. Anyway, the man actually comes back, and this is before they... Before Miss McDonald knew that her son had his trousers twisted so tightly they were embedded in his flesh, this is what she witnesses. He came shuffling down the street, she told reporters, mumbling to himself, making queer motions with his hands. I'll never forget those hands. I shuddered when I looked at them. I shudder every time I think of them, how they opened and shut, opened and shut, opened and shut. I saw him look toward Francis and the others. I saw his thick gray hair, his drooping gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray. I saw my neighbor's two police dogs spring at him, and I saw Philip. The hired man called them off. The gray man turned to me, tipped his cap, and then he went away. So the Boy Scouts found the boy's body. Now, there was another witness, a 17-year-old around the same area. that This happened right before. Her name was Jenny Carlson. So this is a female. She had an experience with a, quote, unkempt gray hair man with a thick growth of beard about five feet six inches tall and wearing blue trousers a soiled white shirt and no coat end quote that's the exact description that miss mcdonald gave police now remember her husband is also a staten island 
police officer. Right. Do you guys remember when we were trying to remember the fifth borough of New York and we couldn't? Was it Staten Island? I don't know, but there was a Saturday Night Live sketch like two weeks ago that they were trying to remember all five boroughs and they couldn't remember the fifth one. And I just had to tell you. That's funny. Now We're on she, trend. Now, this 17-year-old recalls the man was eating something out of both of his hands and, quote, with his face down and his body crunched over like an animal, end quote. Ooh. So what they're describing here... Uncle Fatty. When you see the mother... Talk about how she'll never forget being shuddered by his appearance where he's clenching his hands back and forth. If you actually look at his face and this will be corroborated later because he does get caught, but his face is flush. His eyes are dilated. He's he's really moving his hands. They call that bloodlust. At that point, if you see someone like that, they have an urge, an uncontrollable urge to to murder and to uh, whatever they want to do sexually or whatever to get the blood, bloodlust. That is what that is. And that's what she was talking about when he was like clenching his hands. Uh, 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 uh. He's like, that's all he could think about. You know, it's like 100 percent his complete reality right now is thinking about killing this boy because why else would you know i mean people are watching you why would you act so strange like that it's because you don't know you're doing it because you're just so focused on killing so that's what that bloodlust was now this 17 year old she actually walks past this man now this is before he takes the boy she looks back you know, instinctively, because she got a creepy feeling. Because at first, it's just an old man. Hey, right. pops, what you doing? You know, isn't it nap time? Then she walks by and she gets this really eerie feeling that just like makes her uh, goosebumps and kind of tingle inside. She looks back and she sees this man fully sprinting at her. Oh, no. <gasps> this is a 60-year-old man fully running oh, hell no. straight towards her uh-uh. and she is on a dirt road where there's no houses for 100 200 yards away she has two choices right now well one choice basically to get the fuck out or succumb to whatever this guy is wanting to do well luckily she should hopefully be able to outrun him she did but narrowly outran him when the profile, I know you're talking about profiles earlier, how they're inaccurate. I know they didn't have FBI profiles back then, but all the newspapers, all the police, they were looking for, in some of these cases, they didn't know it was the gray man doing it, right? But they were, they didn't know who it was. They didn't have witnesses. They were looking for someone 20, 25 years old. Oh, wow. Because some of the, the acts of c- complete violence you wouldn't expect a 60-year-old man plus doing this stuff. To be able to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And to like fully sprint at a 17-year-old and almost catch her. Mm-mm. She disappeared in the woods and she was lucky because she would have been killed too. So he is targeting everybody. Anyone he can get his hands on. Yeah. She was running. He was right behind her. She's... <sighs> She looks back and then she sees the tip of his hat because he's wearing a bowler hat. And I'm going to show you what he looks like. But the tip of his hat disappears back into the forest. Just like he is just so used to the forest. It's just like melts right back in there. I saw that word a lot. There was a huge public outrage with this, obviously. After this happened, 
the, especially the police officer's son, and they find his body. After this, and there's witnesses of the old man, and no one knows who he is because he's not even from this area. And none of the other murders are in the okay. same area. They're all over the place. Okay. So obviously he has some occupation that allows him to travel. After this was a public outrage, the locals of Staten Island believed that there was a, a quote, cult of degenerates that would leave the breadlines of the time and satisfy their lust as demented perverts with deviant behaviors. I'm pulling all this from newspapers. All right. Mm. Now, there was the woods, the Charlton Woods, where the boy was strangled with his own trousers. Mm. There was a place they believed, which was fictional, but in their minds, this is hysteria talking. Right. You know, this happens when yeah. someone young dies and you just want to find, you want a conclusion so bad, you want resolution. The family is... You don't believe this would happen to a ransom is one thing. Yeah. OK, give me the money. Here's your kid back. You know, boom, boom, boom. Right. Because that's what it usually was. Right. You're not going to take someone's ransom and then kill the kid. Like, that's not how it works. You're going to give the kid back. And that's how it usually worked. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this kid was completely mutilated beyond anything that they could imagine. They started to believe that there was a, quote, rattlesnake's nest end quote, in the woods, which was basically a spot, a clubhouse of deviants and child molesters, all elderly child molesters. Mm. And these perverts participated in, quote, wild orgies of degeneracy. Like (laughs) this this is the hysteria that's going on. Let me this is one dude doing this and he's not living in the woods. (laughs) Interesting. Like. Like, no child <sighs> abuser is, like, ooh. You know what I mean? They're all ew. But, like, especially older ones are just, like, ew. Like, it's it, a- it adds to the creep factor. It does. Well, yeah. And, and Well, now when you think about it, I don't know what's worse. A younger one who, like, knows that they're ew. not. Or an older one. Ew. They're all gross. No they one are. Sh- ew. Gross. Well, my goal with this episode, and I don't even have to try, is to make you never look at your grandpa the same oh, way again. stop it. Well, <laughs> both of my grandpas are dead. Same. So. so going back to the episode, I want to bring this up because this is interesting about this case. So what you know so far, you know he's an abductor of children. An old An man. old man abductor of children. Gross. What fairy tale story does Rumpel this... Stilskin. No. Well, well, maybe. I don't know that story. But the one I read for this case... The Pied Piper. Uh... Oh, that's that's also a, no, also not good what one. I was thinking, but, but I don't know. That was well, yeah. So I was thinking more of like Red Riding Hood. Oh, the big bad wolf. Okay, because this guy he is well dressed. Not only that, he's an old man. Like what old man is going to lure kids away? Like well, old men back I've, then. I feel like this is something that our parents warned us about when we were kids. Not Beside about old men. Not about a sixty year old man. Well, yeah, anyone, yes. Anyone. He don't, would, this don't guy, take stri- can, as, candy from strangers. As you're about to see, this guy will come into your home, introduce himself. Jazz man. And then take away your kid. Oh, boy. So I'm going to. Santa. S- <laughs> All right. Okay. So so we talked about the public outrage. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was laughing at Nequeez's laugh. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So the autopsy on the eight-year-old 
they found raisins in his stomach. That's when police thought that he may have been lured for raisins by raisins. Because when they talked to the mother, we don't even we don't have raisins. I don't know if they can't afford them. This reminds me of Jack the Ripper. And I have not done that story, but apparently there were raisins found in the bellies of all the women really or not raisins uh grapes excuse me and and grapes were a delicacy back then jack the ripper was a woman initially the body of the child was so brutalized that they actually would discredit both witnesses at first the the mother and the neighbor they discredited both of them in the news because the body was so badly mutilated that there was no way this dude is you. The one you described was sixty plus years old. What the hell? Like no, that didn't happen. We're t- looking for a young guy, so they were automatically not believing this could ever happen. They were. It was just in shock. They actually tracked down the suspect, or what they thought was a suspect. It was a a hermit, a drifter. From town to town. He had been living in those woods, not far from where the murder took place. He was living in this abandoned cabin. His name was John Eskowski. Have you ever heard of him? No. Yeah, you probably wouldn't because when the townsfolk who were taking vigilante justice against these, the rattlesnake, the rattlesnake's nest in the woods, the deviant perverts of the the men that have orgies but was that a, even a real thing no it wasn't it was a, this was hysteria yeah. but but th- what was a real thing was a town folk getting together and taking vigilante basically taking a bunch of shotguns rifles Torches walking into the woods and the first person they found was this drifter john eskowski and he's oh, not from oh. there he was not involved in this but they surrounded him and he was he actually burrowed himself under a big log they surrounded him, started shooting at him. He actually shot back a few times. He had a revolver. They got closer, closer, closer. He took that revolver and shot himself right in the <gasps> head. Wow. Suicide right there. Later, it turns out his wife recently left him three weeks prior to this. At the time of this murder, the Francis murder, he was in Pennsylvania. It wasn't him. Now, he did kill himself. I'm not saying that the townsfolk would have killed him, but he killed himself because they were surrounding him and he thought he was about to die. He didn't have any, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just living in the woods. That's how bad it was. Yikes. Yeah, exactly. Because they had bloodhounds and everything else. They're barking at you. They got you circled. They're coming in closer. You're just like, fuck it. You know? Wow. (laughs) I don't think I would have the balls to pull the trigger. The mother says, quote, help us catch the monster who murdered our little boy. Help us find the gray man, end quote. And that's the first time now the newspapers, the gray man. And it's all the silhouette of this old man wearing a bowler hat, kind of like the Thomas Crown Affair where he's wearing that bowler hat. Mm. So Mm -hmm. we're going to stop for that story. We'll come back to it later. I'm going to tell you exactly what he did in the next episode to this boy in vivid, graphic, Pee Wee Gaskin style testimony. Personal? For, from him. His oh, own words. Oh boy. Because not only did he have a tell-all once he got caught, but before that, he would love to write the parents who had been looking for this man. Hey, guess what? What this he did is to them? What I did to, oh. your, 
child. I'm teasing this episode, and I'm sorry, but the second episode is you will not believe. All right, we're gonna need shit. to do a Saturday night. This is this is two. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Uh, who you're looking at now? Who you're looking at now? This is actually six years later. So we're going to get into all the in betweens here in a little bit. But I kind of wanted to go to the first one, the abduction. You saw how it went. He was he blatantly walks past the mother, the house. Every, he tips his hat. He tips his and hat. And obviously the mother, the mother realized who he was in hindsight. The mother had such a bad feeling. Oh, yeah. It was after he gets caught where he's like, oh, my God, I knew that guy. No, she knew that this guy was did the it. Guy. The whole Yeah, because she got the, the feeling. And plus a 17-year-old came out and was like, this creepy old man, huh. you know. You always got to stick to your intuition. If you have a bad feeling about someone, it's probably right. So what kind of guy are you think we're going to talk about who, before he mutilates your child, he tips his hat to you? Good day, ma'am. Dude, you, that guy has no fucking soul. I can promise you that. Anyway. Deranged. That's uh, funny you said Whoa. that. So the book we're reading, I got to mention I that. I swear I did not know that. <laughs> but yeah, so the book we're reading tonight is called Deranged by Harold Schechter. It, Harold Schechter is by far my favorite true crime author. I used his research for a few. The most notable was the Ed Gein story. Mm. He, okay, I can't, I don't want to tell you who the guy is yet, but he actually, Harold Schechter, in the very back of the book, he talks about this. He wrote to uh, Robert Bloch, which is the guy that created the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which got the story, his inspiration from Ed Gein. Right. And he so Harold Schechter, the true crime author, writes to him is like, why is so many people interested in this? Like, what is it that makes us so interested in Ed Gein? And I'm not going to tell you who the killer is because you don't know yet. But he's Robert Bloch writes back to him and says, it's because they don't know or they're ignorant of the the facts or the the uh, the story itself of who we're talking about tonight. Because if they knew this guy, which they don't, no one knows who this guy is because at the time you got the Lindbergh baby, you got the depression, you got the war starting up. Like this got clouded in so much shit, but it's so just gruesome and deviant. It's just, you know. Anyway. All right. So the photo you're looking at now, and I'll put this on talkmore.com, is of another family. This is six years down the road, completely unrelated. They've never even heard of the case we just talked about. Completely unrelated. This is the Bud family, B-U-D-D. Edward Bud is the dapper young man there. This is uh, a photo that's about 10 years old, but we're actually going to Friday, May 25th, 1928. At this point in his life, he is 18 years old. Okay. And he takes a cabbie down to the local news telegraph station. I don't know how that works because we just twit it right now. Wait, did you just say Friday, May 28th? Yeah. That was this year, no, too. No, I said Friday, May 25th, 1928. Oh, oh sorry. So 1928. This is several. This is six years later. They okay. And they have no idea, have never heard of the Francis case. Edward Budd, 18 years old, takes a cabbie down to the telegraph station and puts an ad in the New York world 
It's a newspaper. And that ad is a classified section ad. And it says, quote, young man, 18, wishes position and country. Edward Budd, which is his name, 406 West 15th Street. That is address? Yeah. Back then, they don't have phones. House phones are a luxury item. You know, you don't have house phones. You don't even have. Yeah, so but West Fifteenth Street, that's in Manhattan. That's nice. Yeah, well, it, no, it's not. It it is in Manhattan. Yeah, and I did look at it. Now it it looks like a dilapidated apartment building. We can see it now. It's right by the the whatever waterway that is right there. Hudson River. Hudson River, I think. Yeah. So was he advertising himself available for work? Is that what that yeah, was? Yeah, exactly. And they don't have a house phone. Also, in this time, this was before air conditioner. Half of them didn't even have electricity. That's interesting that he would put an ad in the paper for that, especially considering the times. What do you mean? That was. Like, nobody's working at that point in time. Well, that's, this is, But that's why he put an ad out, so that if anyone could see it, and maybe other people weren't putting ads out. I mean, he's maybe. a strapping 18-year-old. He's got muscles. So it'd be a farmer or somebody that needs help, a farmhand. That's what he was hoping for, to spend. And a lot of these kids would do this. They would go to a farm during the week, work $15 a day or whatever. I mean, that that is a lot. Probably like maybe 10 or even less than that. A day they get fed and all this stuff. Then on the weekend they come back, you know, and and that money helps their parents. The Bud family is actually impoverished compared to... The other family we just talked about. I mean, mm-hmm. you have a police officer. I know they don't make a ton, but this family here is below the poverty line. They are really poor, but they're a loving family, but they're just the bottom of the bottom type of, uh, as far as the social economic uh, status goes, they're, they're pretty low. Okay. So that's another thing. The cops are like, well, what the fuck? Obviously this isn't a ransom because if it was, they can't freaking pay it anyway, mm-hmm. you know? Edward's father, Albert, was a porter for the Equitable Life Assurance Company. It was a pretty low-paying job. And the wife, Delia, was just a, a housewife. They have four children together, including a sweet-tempered, and this is from the paper, a sweet-tempered 10-year-old named Grace, Gracie Bud. Their address, as in the classified ad he put out, was 406 West 15th Street. It's still there. I looked it up. On May 28th, so a few days later, he put the ad out May 25th. May 28th, 1928, he gets a knock at the door. A man comes in, Frank Howard. He's an older man, pretty well-dressed. He's not wearing a $1,000 suit, but the suit he's got on is pretty decent, and it's well-kempt, if this reminds you of anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was the shirt stained? No, it was, I mean, upon closer inspection, the family would later recall that the shoes weren't as shiny or whatever. But at this point, if you're wearing black, shiny shoes anyway, you're a well-to-do man, Mm -hmm. you know. And if your pants aren't ripped, you're well-to-do. And plus, he is going into a home that has very low lighting. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, if they have electricity, they don't keep it on because it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. So they can barely see kind of what he looks like. But they do realize he's an old man and he talks his uh his vernacular and the way he talks his mannerisms are of wealth 
Okay. And this as some this is something he has been practicing since the first time, which that's the first time he claims was the McDonald, the one we just talked about. Since then, he had six years of doing this to perfect a technique. Mm. And now he presents himself as Frank Howard, a successful farmer. Not his real name. No, not his real name at all. Y'all y'all know who we're talking about? No. no. Okay, I'll tell you now who it is. Frank Howard. Who Frank Howard is. I'll show you a picture. Does he look familiar? Yes. But you see, all right, this is no. good that we're showing you the picture now. You see kind of his get up. Yeah, I will say, I did like... He's like, got the you're, mustache you're that's doing trimmed. the suspense that we did for the Ted Bundy case, which I really yeah. liked. Because I remember <laughs> you being like, hey, hi, my name's Ted. And I'm really like, oh, that was so cool. That was a good yeah, intro. Yeah. So I like that we're doing this. So this is what he looked like when he was walking in. I mean, he's not an old, old man. This is actually younger. This is, this is young like photo. 40 years old. If I show you the older photo, you'll probably know who it is. Do you want to see the older photo? Yes. Okay. This is him when he got arrested. Y'all don't know who that is? <laughs> Shit. All right, moving on. Well, if y'all can't guess it, I'm not going to tell you. No! <laughs> Sucks to suck for us. <laughs> He presents himself, and you just saw his photo, and that's how he looks. He's older now, but you saw the 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 beard or the mustache. the mustache. It's not just some scraggly mustache like everyone else had in the depression. It's at least kempt. Yeah, he, you know, it's trim. Yeah, and he walks upright. He's got the bowler hat. It's not the a thousand dollar bowler hat, but it's you know, it's the other guy doesn't even have yeah, a hat. He looked. He looks professional exactly so that's who he's presenting himself out his mustache i did that this morning when i cut my hair (laughs) you did your mustache yeah did you wax it it was wet already because i washed my hair and then cut it plus there is a i cut it dry and then tonight i cut it wet plus there is a psychological aspect of this and i've i don't know the terminology but i've delved down this road once before if it's the same uh, psychology as if you get stopped by a cop, you automatically give that person a, an air of respect that you it's just automatic as an authority. So if a, like, let's say Mark Cuban or somebody walks in the door, we're automatically subconsciously we're going to give more respect almost. You know, what I'm saying it's, it's a very animalistic type of thing. Because he is successful and at a level that we're not, we're going to give him some respect. Does that make sense? So what he says is going to be interpreted more as the truth, even though if it's not. Does that make sense or not? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's the same. It's like it's an authority type of thing. Like you wouldn't expect someone of of high status to be dishonest with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it's the same with this guy. He's a porter, right, at the insurance company. He's going to talk differently to his boss. Right. You know, just because he's at a higher status type of thing. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that is happening here. He walks in the house. He says, because Miss Bud comes up, Delia, you know, hey, can I help you? Yeah, I'm looking for Edward. And he's talking very, very professional. I'm looking for Edward. So... Come on in. I saw his ad in the paper, and I am a successful farmer with farmland in Farmingdale, Long Island, and a lot of farmland I have. I am married with six children. He is a, he says he's a proud father, 
And in fact, this is a little nuances to make it really believable. I have six children. And in fact, one of those children is now a cadet at a West Point. So you see those uh-huh. little nuances he puts in there? Uh-huh. Yeah, to just like further uh, make his story like concrete. He's yeah. doing that. I mean, that even yet. I was just like, ooh, West yeah, Point. Exactly. So there you go. He also has 300 chickens, a half a dozen milk cows, and he even employs a Swedish cook. So he's like Swedish cook. So the the guy who is a a poor. I'm sorry, I just thought of the Muppets. Oh my god, I was thinking that too. What? Yes, Yes. Oh my god, that's exactly where my head went to. Like his image popped into my head as soon as he said Swedish cook. I'm sorry. Yes, I love that we thought the same thing. So even. If he was like, I got a chef, a private chef. Okay. Uh, but now this is a Swedish chef, you know? I this just is, keep on thinking of like uh, the, that chef cooking like Swedish the chickens around and then Gonzo tries to save the chickens. Uh, so, so this man is sitting on the couch and giving the story out and everyone's listening intently because they've never seen a rich man up close in their house talking to him. They'd never seen someone of such wealth coming into their house, right? Right. So they're sitting, listening intently, and he talks about how his wife, lovely wife, but she, when I bought the farmland, she just couldn't do it after a year. She could not get used to the farm, so she ended up leaving. Oh. And he is married. He actually Whoa. has six wives. He's a uh, bigamist. Mormon. Or... No, he's not a Mormon. He's just a polygamist. Bigamy, bigamist, where you get married but don't polygamy. get divorced. Oh no, yeah, that's, that's not polygamy. Big- polygamy is where you marry multiple partners. Isn't that what we're talking no, about? No, bigamy is when you marry. And oh, and then, they don't know each other. But that and then you other. then you just get remarried again and again and again without getting divorced. Do, got it. It's yeah. like got in it. it's like in Chicago. That's bigamy. So he was a bigamist. Not only was he married, God. he was oh, no. he, had he had six, six wives. He had about six wives. One of those Mormons, you know. All right, got it. So he said that he needed a strong boy to come down to Long Island just for the week, and every week he's going to pay him fifteen dollars a day and That's give him private room and board. But he needs a strong eighteen-year-old, just like your son here. I do find it interesting that he's going after not just children but older. People like I mean I know that eighteen is still a young person, but an eighteen-year-old male should be able to overpower a sixty-something-year-old. Not if yeah. he's jacked, and not if he's has money. And we is saw him. Does he look you. jacked? I'm just saying. <laughs> like I would be like afraid if I were thinking uh, if I'm a predator and who is my prey. It would be someone who is weak and defenseless and an 18 year old strapping man who they're going to hire to work on the farm is probably not one that I would want to. Well, that sounds like someone that sounds like what someone would say who's never experienced bloodlust. Well, that's correct. I I can personally attest to. (laughs) I don't know where we're going with this. All right. So anyway, he says he needs a strong boy. And in fact, uh, Edward's friend, his name was Willie Corman, another 18-year-old boy, also just as jacked as But you Jim see said. where I'm going with this. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Like, they gonna, should be able to over- Hold on, hold on a second. Him. Hold on, just hold on. Willie Corman was also there, and Edward's like, I would love to come work at the farm. Hey, is there any way you could, you know, take my buddy, too? 
So now he's got two boys, two 18-year-old boys to and come work at his imaginary farm, which does not exist. at the mouth, probably, but... He said to Edward, after, you know, the polite goodbye and all the stuff, they made a plan. He was going to come on Sunday, or on Saturday, June 2nd, and he was going to pick up both the boys, bring them to the farm for a week, and then take them back, bring them back, back and forth. That's the plan. So that day came up, June 2nd, and he's nowhere to be found. They get a Western Union telegram sent to him, and this is the exact Western Union right here. And I'll put this photo on talkmer.com. These are really hard to find photos. The Western Union, and I, I didn't know this, but if you if a Western Union guy comes to your house back in the 20s, he would just stand there until you give him, it's like a dime or something for... The correspondence. You have to pay them for it. Kind of like a collect call. Telegram. <laughs> so they pay it. Candygram. You know, they, give them the, shark. they give them the 10 cents or whatever. And it says, quote, been over in New Jersey, call in morning, end quote. And that's what you're seeing right there. You can see it says been over in Jersey, call in morning. Signed Frank ha- uh, Howard, 22nd. That's the exact telegram. So they're kind of bummed, wow. but they're like, all right, whatever. The next morning, he still, there's no call that comes in. And they're just like, oh, man, this must be just some bullshit. At 10.30 a.m., there's a knock on the door. It's him, Frank Howard. And he's got some goodies with him. He's got a box of berries and a pail full of cheese. Now, they don't know this, but, I mean, the Bud family is in abject poverty. So this is luxury is luxury. Cheese How, and berries. That's luxury to me today. How, yeah. However, they they don't know this. And this is will demonstrate how poor they were just right outside of their apartment building. Vendors are selling this stuff, but they can't ever afford to buy it. So the mother, she like her eyes just go wide. It's like, whoa. And then he comes in. And they're like, wow, these are so good. Did did these come from your farm? And they didn't because he just bought them on the street corner. But he's like, yeah, these. And this is exact quote. He says, he says, quote, you'll never taste creamier pot cheese than that. I can guarantee it. Nor sweeter strawberries, end quote. So he just bought these a minute ago from some street vendor. But they don't know none the wiser, right? In fact, that is one of the reasons that he gets caught, because the price tag on the bottom uh, it matches the handwriting of one of the uh, vendors. vendors down down below who identified him. As you a know. customer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just have to say, like, if you ever see me with, like, berries, and I say they're from my garden, you know that I'm lying because I can't fucking keep a plant, number one. Yeah. Well, it's like whenever anyone for like my, my mom's f- loves to use a line. Oh, did you make this? And my mom will usually respond. I could have. <laughs> <laughs> I made the money to go buy it. <laughs> I could have made it, but I bought it. <laughs> my mom. used. To, what did she used to do at like the church? Things someone oh or someone had a meal and she bought like a rotisserie chicken and like put vegetables around it oh and brought God. it to some party or something like that. Like I love it. Oh, Jackie. <laughs> All right, I, I've done that once before. Not rotisserie chicken, but made it look like I. 
I've done that with hummus in particular. That's an easy one to like make it seem like you made it. Well, you can cut up the vegetables and put that around. Yes, but like adding, you know, take it out of the jar, add some fresh olive oil, salt and pepper on top. And it really brings the hummus to life. Mm -hmm. But you would think it's homemade. I'll I'll remember that when I have my housewarming party and you bring hummus. Mm -hmm. The two boys weren't at the home at the time. They were wherever, downstairs playing or whatever. So, and Albert, the father, Albert Budd, does notice this is odd, but at the time he's just like, ah, just eccentricities of this old man. But the old man comes in and is like, I am so apologetic about the business I had to take care of in, in New Jersey. I trust that your son received my telegram and Albert's like, yeah, we got it. It's right there on the mantle. So Frank Howard, the old man, walks over there and just grabs it, just kind of nonchalantly grabs it and puts it in his pocket. Even though it was from him? Later, it makes sense why he did that. He's trying to hide the evidence, uh, you know, Uh that he did that. However, we have it right here. And this is the Western Union they actually got this one from Western Union. So it's like one of those pads where you write on it and the bottom. Oh, like the carbon the copy? Pink, yeah. yeah, or whatever. It's carbon like one copy, of those. Yeah, so yeah. like we have the receipt. That's pretty but incredible. But he still did. And I want to say the detective, this is the detective. Um, His name is uh King, Detective King. On this case, you're about to hear. This is probably the most proficient detective I have ever seen. He is the main reason this guy is caught. And if it wasn't for this detective and his cunningness, because he did some really cool stuff, he would. Ne- this guy would never get caught, ever. I'm telling. You, even stuff like the the little price tag, he knows to go and check the vendors. Stuff like that. Like most people wouldn't even even think about that. Mm. You know. Anyway, I'll get I'll get to him probably in the next episode. Anyway, they're sitting at the table. They're eating the the cheese and the the berries. Edward's there. He's finally there with his friend Willie. They're Getting ready to go, they're all going to get in the car here and go down to the farm. Then the 10-year-old, remember the the sweet-mannered child, the rose of the family, the one I'll show you right now. This is Gracie Bud. She's 10 years old. I've heard that name before. She, or Grace Bud, but they call her Gracie. Mm-hmm. If you want to describe her, she is beautiful. In fact, when I, when I did this story... And then I looked at her picture. That's when it broke my heart. Because if you look at her, like the eyes and everything, I mean, that, well, you're about to see. But she looks like she could be a movie star. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she is. But like pretty nut. She's tomboyish. And she's actually anemic because Uh the family can't afford the nutrients and stuff like that. So basically all of them are anemic. And basically she's white. Like real, real white. Oh my gosh, I have that problem too. Pale. Pale. Gracie Bud walks in and the mother is like, you know, come here, Gracie. Say hello to this nice uh, older gentleman here. And his eyes, Frank Howard's eyes were transfixed on her. So he was, this completely ab- abductor just, was not necessarily focused only on males. It was an Anything. Yeah, I mean, remember the 17-year-old yeah. girl? Yeah, anything. I mean, he is... I will get to his MO, but 
He just likes I just wanted kids. to clarify. At this point, he at this point he is transfixed on Gracie. Almost the like most he wants to take the youth of the children that he abducts. The beautiful, the most beautiful child he's ever seen. Now he's but an old man. A, she's not necessarily a child, right? How old is she? She's probably fourteen, right? She's ten. Oh, she's ten years old. In that picture, well, probably like nine. Oh, she looks a lot older. Yeah, I'd say like fourteen. I was, That's called I was, the depression. I was thinking like sixteen. <laughs> That's called being poor as fuck. Well, she has a nice necklace and a fur on. Those are fake beads. It's it's a painting, and a, and isn't a, it? It's a, drawing. That's yeah. her. That's her. She's 10 years old. I'm not lying. She's 10. I, okay. You don't have to tell no, us. No, I wouldn't. I didn't. I did not guess that at all, actually. No. The 10-year-old Gracie walks in, and he is transfixed. And he's an old man. So he's like, come over here, sweetie. Tell me about your friends. You know how old men do. Oh, come boy. over here, sweetie. Tell me. I just had a vision of him. He's like, come sit on my lap. It's, it's almost like the... Uh, <laughs> It's almost like uh, Herbert the pervert from um, Family oh Guy. <laughs> Come on over. What, how's he doing? Come on over. Would you like some popsicles? Would you like some popsicles? So he's like, "Come on over here. Sit on my lap." Oh, right God. here. He's patting his knee. Sit on my lap. Tell oh, tell Grandpa about your day at school. And he's bouncing her no. on no, his knee. No, he's kn- not. Yes, he is. Not he a is. I thought you were. Ju- I no, thought I, I was kidding serious, when I said the whole dude, sit on my lap thing. He is bouncing her. And stroking your hair because he's an old man. No one's going to expect anything. He's just an old man. Okay. Yeah, but like he knows what he's doing. Speaking in a soft, weeding voice, he told her how slender and pretty she was. He asked her questions about her friends, her favorite pastimes, her school. As he talked, he reached up a hand modeled with liver spots, but surprisingly powerful looking, a laborer's hand, and began to stroke her hair. So he is bouncing little Gracie on his knee like this, Jen. Hey, you know, you're so pretty. I love your your blonde locks. And he, he reaches into his pocket, pretty deep in his pocket. Oh, God. And he pulls out a wad <laughs> of bills. <laughs> you are so freaking bad. And he, he puts it on the table and, and he says, well, you know, go ahead and count that. And it was 92 bucks, which is a lot. Yeah, Whoa, especially that's back, a then. Lot back yeah. then. So and that's like put under your mattress money. <laughs> well, yeah. so they're looking at they're like, wow, that I mean, that's just in his pocket. And then he, you know, gives her like a quarter or whatever for her trouble of counting and everything. And he's just being Not a grandpa. For her trouble of sitting on his lap. You know, you're so cute. You I bet you, you know, you're just a heartbreaker. He all this stuff at ten bouncing on his lap. Gracie kept giving her mom kind of like a what the fuck is going on look and the mom just so you know transfixed you get that money girl no no, like he's probably she probably thinks he's harmless because he's an old man there you go that's the red riding hood right the the sheep in wolf's clothing yeah well i mean no or the wolf in sheep's clothing no red riding hood was the wolf that was in grandma's clothing in grandma's bed i know but you thought it was grandma but it's a wolf this you thought is an old man, but it's really a fucking sexual yeah, psychopath. Yeah, but like once she, but once Red Riding Hood realized that it was the wolf, like she realized it was the wolf. All right. Nobody realized though that this is a sexual sadist until six well, years. Well, they after did when they the kids it. didn't come home. About an hour passed, and now I'm just going to tell you the whole time, and and you'll see in some of his letters, even at the time of bouncing the 10 year old on his lap he actually achieved oh no 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 oh no ejaculation oh no just there oh no oh 
no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. He achieved ejaculation just from that instance. So you and, know where this and is And they know that? Like, the family knew that? No, they they would never, never. How, they didn't know he just. How So how do we know that? Because he says this in the letters. Okay, later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, so anyway, just listen, just listen. clarifying. Okay. Listen, just, all right, let me just listen. After about an hour, bouncing Gracie on his lap. Can you stop, stop that? <laughs> <laughs> That's like, it's just disturbing. Yeah, I agree. He says, I really came here, guys, and he's talking to Edward and his friend, to tell you that I can't take you to the farm. And I'm sorry, I know I did this twice, but I just received a letter from my sister. She's throwing a birthday party so my niece is what he's saying my niece is having a birthday party so i'm sorry i can't take you and so he gets up and he starts towards the door no harm no foul all we did was jerk off right however he just gets a thought a thought comes into his head and he turns around hey those the kids at the party will actually be gracie's age they're about 10 years old, 11 years old girls running around. You know, if if your mommy and daddy let you, you can come along to the birthday party with me. Oh, no. So that, that's bringing up your question earlier, because he does see those two 18 year olds and is like, even my bloodlust ain't going to get those. But then Gracie walks in and he is completely changed everything. So my niece... So he changes what he his story is. My niece, yeah. And he, he comes up with it real quick. He's been doing this for many years. He says, my niece is having a birthday party. If you want to come, if, you're, if your mommy and daddy are okay with it, you know, you can come. There'll be cake. There'll be candy. There'll be balloons. There'll be a clown. Stop. <laughs> there'll be, it'll just be fun. The family obviously are not okay with the 10-year-old daughter leaving. So he says, if it's okay with your mommy and daddy, you can come to the party. And this is what the parents said. Fuck no. Just kidding. Mrs. Bud hesitated for a moment, but her husband cleared his throat and said, let the poor kid go. She's always cooped up here in this dungeon. She doesn't see much good times. Now. I bet he regrets saying oh, that. Oh, yeah. Because when when this guy gets caught... A lot of the defense, the attorney would say, hey, whose fault is that? Because he got tried for this specific murder. So it's whose fault is it? Is it the parents' fault for willingly letting no, a 10-year-old go? it's the person go? who murdered I, I know, the I know. person. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. If this is the photo you're looking at right now is of Gracie Bud. This is her outfit. This was in the newspapers. Height four feet, last seen wearing white felt hat and blue streamer and back, hair dark, straight bobbed, eyes blue, complexion sallow, physical condition anemic, last seen wearing pink rose here, and it has an arrow, last seen wearing gray overcoat with fur collar and cuffs and down front of coat, last seen carrying brown pocketbook, last seen wearing white silk dress, last seen wearing white socks, last seen wearing white shoes, age 10 years, Weight 60 pounds. She is the victim. And the mother and the father both allow her to go. They watch the daughter and the old man as they walk out and disappear forever. They will never, ever see 
Gracie again, at least with flesh attached to her body. Oh my God. They will only see her bones and her skull presented in a trial of this man several years later. Mm, I can't, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. And I do want to say right quick that they did ask the old man, Frank Howard, where the party was. And immediately he spouted off, it's at 137th Street and Columbus Avenue. Now, we would go there on Google Earth, but that address has never existed. It only goes up to 110th Street. 137th Street was completely fake. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever heard of that street. And I didn't know New York was that big. So little Gracie was supposed to be home at 9 p.m. that night. So imagine her not and the parents going to try to find 137th and realizing it only goes up to 110th. That's when they know things are dire. But also, um, I, I mean, this is in the 20s that this is happening, so this is obviously not going to help now. But like, how long were they residents of New York? Why didn't they know that 137th Street didn't exist? <clears throat> because they never go up there. But they're poor. He goes to work and comes home. That's what poor people do with four kids. They're not going out to eat. They're not on the strip. He didn't know because he he's never been there. He lives at home and in his factory during the day. Factory, home, factory, home, factory, home. Never going anywhere but Sunday church, which was free. In fact, Gracie, that's her Sunday best right there. So that's the reason he doesn't know because he they don't even own a car. Like they're that poor. I mean, not I mean, they're doing better than a lot of other Americans, but they're still pretty right. low at the barrel. Yeah. I feel like, okay, well, after hearing this, if I ever have children and someone wants to take my kids somewhere, number one, I have to know you. Number two, um, you have to give me some sort of point of reference, like 137th Street in Columbus. Where what What's near there? And I have to be able to picture it. Well, now I can Google it. But back then you couldn't yeah. Google. But I feel like, like why didn't... I don't know. I, I don't know. All right, let's map out the route they took. They were supposed to go down a few a few blocks, you know, a couple of miles at, at best, but they ended up getting on a train. He stops at a newsstand, and he was actually at the newsstand before. He left a canvas-wrapped bundle at the news newsstand. Remember the potted cheese and the berries? Yeah. He walks over to this before. He goes into the home. He walks over to the newsstand carrying the berries and the cheese and also a canvas wrapped bag, kind of like, a, you know, you roll up tools with or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he buys a newspaper, which he tossed. But the newsman, the newspaper seller, the vendor is like, you need some help with that, Pops? And the old man is acting frail and incapable, using that as a ruse. Well, if you don't mind, Sonny, could, could I just leave this bag here with you and I'm just going to go right over here to talk to my family and then come back and I'll, I'll get this bag? Sure, Pop, sure, you know. I don't want you to stress yourself out. Just leave it here. So anyway, Gracie and him, go. Frank Howard, go back to the newsstand and he retrieves the bag, the canvas bag, which he calls, quote, the implements of hell, end quote. Now, oh. there were three things in that bag. Mm. You want to guess what they were? An ice pick, a hammer, and a knife. Inside the canvas bag of 
implements of hell, as he called them, was one butcher's knife, one meat cleaver, and one small handsaw. I got one right. Now he takes a knife. He he ta- now he's walking with Gracie by the hand. Right, they're holding hands, and if you see him on the street, which many people did, mm-hmm. and, and they ended up years later coming to testify, they probably that, just thought that it was his or her grandfather. There right? you go, just you know, and she's not crying and like help, help. She's no, like she's going to a happy, birthday party. Giddy. She's about to eat cake. Yeah, who doesn't love cake at the ticket booth? Uh, and this should have been this should have been alerting right here. They go to the Putnam Division of New York Central Railroad, and he buys a ticket. A round ticket to Westchester community of Ooh. Worthington. That's where they're going. So that Westchester from is farther there away you than go. like one tenth street or yeah. one thirty seventh street. That's it, total. That's like hours like, away. Yeah, it's hours away. He buys a, a round ticket for him and a one way ticket for her. Oh no, that's oh no, which is really fucked. Yeah. Now, she probably is thinking, you know, I don't know we're going to be on a train, but he does let her sit at the window so she can see the outside. And every once in a while, he looks over and pats her knee. You're going to have so much fun, Gracie. Little did she know she was actually on her way to her death. They get off the train. They both get off the train in uh, Westchester. And he is so distracted in his bloodlust that he forgets the canvas bag. He leaves it on the train. So that's good, right? I mean, yes, Probably but not. I'm, I mean, it's I, it's okay, but now I'm afraid of how she's going to suffer her well, end. Well, if you want to read this, Nicole. When they disembarked at Worthington Station, Fish seemed slightly distracted. As they stepped onto the platform, Grace tugged at his sleeve. You forgot your package, she exclaimed. Turning on her heels, she dodged back into the car. Seconds later, she reappeared with red and white striped parcel created in her arms. Fish took it from her without a word. Okay, but now you know who it is, right? Albert Fish. Oh, I have heard that name before. Okay, so... What is this saying? He leaves his bag on the train. She rushes back in, grabs the canvas bag. Hey, you forgot your stuff. <sighs> brings she, it. She trusts him. Brings the bag, the implements of hell off the train and gives it to him. They turn left at Mountain Road and they go down to a very small cottage. And let me show you the cottage here. And I'll put these photos on talkmer.com. But this is where they're going down. So there's nothing down here, right? No. Nothing. It's just empty, bare, nothing. This is the cottage. It was an abandoned cottage. That That's, ni- that's a nice looking house. That, That'll probably uh, go for like 400,000 at least today. It's actually was initially thought to be the quote ogre's lair. Shrek. The Shrek killer. Where he thought... Or where the newsmen and the police thought he would take all of his victims. But the ogre's lair turned out to be somewhere else. But this is in uh, Wisteria. So Albert Fish is known as the werewolf of Wisteria, among many other names, including the Gray Man and stuff like that. Let's read what he says. That means you. Yeah, Let's I know. Re- <laughs> I was like, damn it. <laughs> Let's read the letter that he sent to the family. Now, the letter 
he sent because this is very disturbing. And the next episode is going to be extremely it's going to be it's going to be like Pee Wee plus the vampire of Sacramento type of stuff. Uh, Rich, Richard Trenton Chase. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's in the next episode. But on November 11th, 1934, the Bud family. Now, this is six years later. Six years. They have arrested 100 people and no one has panned out. At this point, the mother has not lost interest, but she has other kids, too. She is just it ruined the whole family. They had gotten so many. They got hundreds of letters, a lot of crackpot letters saying, I killed, you know, I got her. She's in my basement, you know, but she's and a lot of letters were like, we took her, but, you know, we're a nice family. We're raising her nice. So and this is and this happens today. Families get all kinds of shit like that. But out of the hundreds of letters that they got, they knew immediately that this was the one. And this letter came on November 11th, 1934. And I'll let you read this, Nicole. My dear Mrs. Bud, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he had two others, went ashore, and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a great famine in China. Meat of any kind was one to three dollars per pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold to butchers to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as a veal cutlet, brought the highest price. John stayed there so long, he acquired the taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven, one eleven, took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet, then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night, he spanked them, tortured them to make their meat good and tender. First, he killed the 11-year-old boy because he had the fattest ass and, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass, boiled, broiled, fried, stewed. The little boy was next, went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100th Street, near rear right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street. Brought you pot cheese and strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat on my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to go eat her on the pretense of taking her to a party. You said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all my clothes off. I knew if I did not, 
I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in the closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run downstairs. I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take her meat to my rooms, cook it, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though I could have had I wished. She died a virgin. And that last part is actually not true. He recants that. He he, he raped had, her. He raped her twice. And that is the stripped down, mild version of the That's truth. That's how he ends it? Of the true story. Which we'll talk about later in the next episode. But it's... 300 times worse than what he what his initial letter said it's 300 times worse yeah it's bad it's got sacrificial type qualities to it i didn't realize that albert fish was a cannibal actually oh yeah i just uh, the only thing i knew about albert fish was stuff about like him sticking needles in himself right wasn't that something he did yeah we're gonna talk about that that's about all I knew. So I did not realize. That? Did you know about the needles? All right. I, Albert Fish. And I'm I'll, shocked you know more about this killer I'll than I know about this killer. I'll talk about this on the, the next episode, but when Albert Fish was put to death in the electric chair, he actually had, I think it was 29 sewing needles embedded. In his balls. No. They would... And I'll get to this next time, but they were all put in that area we called the gooch or the taint. <laughs> I think it's called something else, like the perineum or whatever. That's not the official term. I don't but believe doctors call it the they gooch. Were all, they were all shoved in that one spot, but naturally they worked themselves up through his huh. body. And there were about, I think, 29 needles. I'll, I'll get the exact ones next time, next episode. But when he was fried in the electric chair, the spectators noticed the blue sparks of the sewing needles being oh, ignited whoa. all through his body. And they were embedded all the way in his abdomen in different places because they would work their ways up through the organs. And it's he would be amazing. in constant pain, which he enjoyed. Oh, from those needles. So anyway, um, actually, Jen, I want you to read one more thing. <laughs> oh God, you know it's bad if he's asking Jen to read it. So d- we'll end on this, but Albert Fish was a letter writer of the highest quality. I don't like that he uses the word "ass." Like that yeah, bothers yeah, me. That does bother me because he's talking about children. Yeah. Now this is he would write let he would write hundreds of letters to random people, random people of the most obscene. And this is one of the mildest letters, but this is kind of what we're going to get into next episode. Plus, we're going to actually record a lot of these letters, the ones that we're not going to put in the episode on the Patreon, so you can see. And Jen's going to read all the letters. Oh, we'll God. do that next time. <laughs> but if you want to read this. I wish you could see me now, Fish wrote in a typical passage. 
I'm sitting in a chair, naked. The pain is across my back, just over my behind. When you're stripping naked, you will see a most perfect form. Yours. Your sweet honey of my heart. I can taste your sweet piss, oh, your sweet no. shit. What? It looks know? like this. Jen, it looks like this. It looks like a Red Bull vodka. This is sweet piss. Very dehydrated. I know. I, I'm not surprised, but like, I just don't know. Why. I am, because piss is not sweet. It's very tangy. <laughs> so is he actually drinking pee and eating yeah poo? there's there's words for that one of them is um r kelly <laughs> <laughs> well i'm having deja vu i swear i'm having deja vu i know we've talked about r kelly no but like before, this exact but... moment okay no um there's terms that i was gonna go over um like there's a term for eating shit and drinking piss. And I'll, t- I'll talk about this next episode, but when the psychiatrist finally gave, you know, the courts his diagnosis, they put him down for so many perversions. Everyone that was in the DSM, every single one, plus invented ones just for him. <laughs> That's how bad this guy is. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing, though. To to, I mean, kind of. Well, you the, haven't met like, Albert Fish. <laughs> he fetish in some way, shape, or form, aka R. Kelly. But that I don't think he was necessarily drinking anyone's pee. He was just peeing on people. I've All right, never... go, go ahead and finish this. You're not getting out of it that easy. You must pee pee in a glass, and I shall drink every drop of it as you watch me. Ugh. How does people like he's writing this to someone? Yeah. Like, ugh. like <laughs> I just don't, I just don't like. I don't even really use the word PP. There are hundreds of letters. John like this. uses the word. Pee-pee. I know John does. <laughs> I was wondering if you wrote this. <laughs> I don't hyphenate it like that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me when you want to do too. I will take Ew-wah. you. <laughs> That's doo doo. Yes. Right. Yes. I, <laughs> I didn't realize they were using that term uh, back then. Back then. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I will take you over my knees, pull up your clothes, take down your drawers, and hold my mouth to your sweet honey fat ass and eat your sweet peanut butter <laughs> as it comes out fresh, fresh. and hot. <laughs> that is how they do it in Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> fresh and hot peanut butter. Get your fresh and hot peanut butter. <laughs> the only thing that I can think of is the Amy Schumer Milk Milk Lemonade video. And if you have not seen that, I mean, I know that I milk, milk, I lem- have. milk Milk Lemonade is like, you know, Milk Milk Lemonade around the, for- around the corner fudge is made. Oh. But she does this whole song with Amber Rose and what's that rapper's name? I don't know. It's 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 comical but like that's the only thing i can think of when i'm reading this that was the censored version that is nothing oh my god (laughs) i have a feeling i'll be doing a lot more reading next episode yeah we gotta do the next part on saturday it's fucking it's it will fucking disturb it's the most disturbing story i have ever fucking seen yes this will be a saturday story and i will be intoxicated but anyway i hope you enjoyed that be sure to go talkmore.com and if you want to become a supporter and support us, we have some exclusive content on there. Plus, you can talk to us, guys, and request stories and shots and whatnot. And you can do that by going to talkmer.com slash join and become a member, a, a Talco Supremo. And that is, if that's if you guys don't have anything else, that's all I got. My name is John. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.